want to begin by talking about a story. It's a story about a man named William Stidger. And William Stidger went on to be a pastor and evangelist. And uh, there was a moment in his life where he was just stopping to reflect upon the people that had just kind of made him, the, the people that had uh, created a love for the written word. And he was thinking back, and he was thinking back to a teacher that he had in elementary school. And it hit him that he had never actually thanked the teacher for what she had done, the, the way that she actually transformed what his future vocation was gonna be. And so there's this moment where he's kind of convicted. I've, she doesn't actually know that I'm so thankful for the ways that she impacted my life. And so he writes this handwritten letter. He writes this handwritten letter handwritten letter to her, and a couple days later, uh, he receives a reply back, and this is what the reply said. My dear Willie, apparently they were close because, you know, I had a nickname. Um, my dear Willie, I am an old lady in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely and seemingly like the last leaf of fall left behind. You will be interested to know that I taught school for more than 50 years, and in all that time, yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. It came on a blue, cold morning, and it cheered my lonely heart as nothing has cheered my heart in years. It cheered my lonely heart as nothing has cheered my lonely heart for years. It was a simple act, right? It was a simple act of gratitude. But yet, I think in this real quick story, we realize the power of gratitude and thanksgiving. Gratitude and thanksgiving, which is what we're going to talk about today, it has this way of not only transforming us, but it has this way of transforming the people around us. And I believe its power is far more reaching than we give it credit for, far more reaching than, than we realize the simple act of gratitude. What we're doing this morning is we're actually continuing our Rooted series that we've been in for the last 10, 12 weeks. And the heart behind this series is that we would become a people more fully rooted in Jesus. We would become a people more fully rooted in God and his ways. Because we believe that if we will become more rooted in Jesus, this world and this culture around us, which is moving at a very rapid pace, pushing us this way, pulling us that way, if we will root our lives in Jesus and his ways and his practices, we will be able to stand firm in the midst of a world that's moving very quickly. And what we're doing is we're continuing that series by looking at what it means to be rooted in gratitude. What does it mean to be rooted in gratitude? What, is it, what does it look like to have a life that overflows with thanksgiving? And in my time of preparation this week, in his just word and in prayer, I've been convinced to the abundant life that we want in God, the life that we long for, that life that's marked by peace, the life that's marked by joy, the life that's marked by love. I believe the pathway to that life, the abundant life in God is gratitude. So in this series, we've talked about a lot up to this point. Uh, if you haven't been with us or this is, uh, something that you just ha haven't been paying attention to. We've talked about being rooted in a lot of different things. Generosity, grace, surrender, 
obedience, love, and last week Ben just did an amazing job unpacking what it looks like to be rooted in humility. But whether it's your first time with us or uh, we've done a horrible job of teaching the past 10 weeks and you don't remember a thing, I believe, I believe, if you will take what we talk about today and you will put it into practice, it will retroactively teach you all the things that we've talked about up to this point. You wanna be a person rooted in generosity? You wanna be a person rooted in love? You wanna be a person rooted in humility? You wanna be a person rooted in grace? Rooted in surrender? Okay, become a person of gratitude. Become a person of gratitude. I believe gratitude and thanksgiving is the key that will help unlock the peace, the joy, the love that we all long to embody. And this morning, what I wanna do is I simply wanna just highlight some of the fruits that come from a life of gratitude, that come from someone who, who practices gratitude because you see it all throughout the scripture. You, you look at these moments where people are just filled with thanksgiving and you just see the fruit that begins to pop up in their life. And I wanna discuss what happens when our lives become rooted in gratitude because it is a beautiful thing by God's design. It's probably why you see the command and just the instruction to be thankful, to be, to be grateful so often in scripture. And I actually want us to look uh, just to, to the word of God this morning to begin. And I could not just pick one passage because just the abundance of passages where you see thankfulness and gratitude, it just abounds. So I just selected a few for us to just kind of like tune our hearts to the word of God and where we see this in scripture. And I wanna read those this morning, starting in 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians. <laughs> Rejoice always. Forget how I said that. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter three. Next one. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Ephesians chapter five. I love this. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, present your request to God with, I didn't read that right, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You can read. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. And then we'll end with the one we began with, 1 Thessalonians, give thanks thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. We believe that the commands of scripture, the instructions from, from God's word, they lead to life. They, they lead to the abundant life that we're longing for. And as I just studied and as I meditated on gratitude and thanksgiving this week, I began to see just a number of different things that spring up in the heart of a person that is grateful. I just, over and over again, as I just studied people in the scripture, okay, they gave thanks, and what kind of springs up with, with, within their heart? And I wanna highlight what happens when we choose to step into the spiritual practice of gratitude. 
And then I wanna invite us into just some practical steps of doing that this week together. And so there's, there's a number of things, there's a number of fruit that I believe just pops up in the life of someone who is filled with gratitude, filled with thanksgiving, who practices this. But I wanna highlight three. Uh, the, the first one is contentment. Number one, contentment. If you take notes, write contentment. Number two, perspective. And number three, praise. Contentment, perspective, and praise. And I wanna look at the first one together, contentment. How many of you this morning would describe yourself as content? If you were to name five characteristics about your current state of being, how many of you would have content in the top five? If I had to guess, it wouldn't be many. It probably wouldn't be there for, for me. And I think it's because our culture is at constant war with contentment, right? Our culture is at constant war with contentment. And this, this is a hard one. This is a hard one for me. But I believe when we learn contentment through the act of gratitude, it will untangle our souls. It will untangle our souls to experience life with God as he has intended it to be experienced. Now, I want us not to confuse being content with being complacent. Those are two different things. So contentment is not the absence of goals, dreams, desires, and a vision for the future. Contentment is not the absence of those things. Contentment is the posture of a heart. Contentment is the posture of a soul. You can be content and have dreams for the future. Like you can be content and have a vision for what you want life to look like five, 10 years down the road. You can be content and also have a dream for the future. Just make sure that, that your dreams, your vision, your desires aren't rooted in envy and jealousy. Don't, don't confuse envy with a vision for the future. I've done this too often. The enemy is in one of these and God is in the other. But gratitude, it's this powerful thing. It's this powerful thing in our life. If you struggle with envy, if you struggle with jealousy, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Gratitude will literally push envy and jealousy out of your heart. Being envious and being grateful cannot coexist. Those two things cannot coexist together. Now, something I've just learned through my life experience is that ungrateful people are just never satisfied with life. I've been there, that's how I know it. You're always kind of looking for that next best thing, right? I'm sure some of you have just lived this reality that when you are living for a time when life will be better, you will actually miss life itself. Because by the time you get to that point where life is better, it actually didn't turn out to be as better as you thought it was gonna be. And then there's actually something better on the horizon. And what, what thanksgiving and gratitude does is it just roots your heart in the present. It roots your heart in the present like no other thing can do. Gratitude, what it does is it slows down the soul in the midst of this hurried world that we find ourselves in. You know, culture is just like, go more, do more, be more, acquire more. And gratitude and thanksgiving, it just cultivates this heart of contentment. 
cultivate a heart that's at peace with where you are. This is what the Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Timothy. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I love it. It's like a little, it's a little proverb there he gives us. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He goes on to say in another letter, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content. Something he's learned, you realize just a few sentences earlier, he said, hey, present your request to God with thanksgiving. And then just a few sentences later, he says, I've learned to be content. There's this correlation between thanksgiving and gratitude and contentment. So number one, contentment. Number two, perspective. Gratitude will just produce this heavenly perspective within you. Uh, Robert Emmons, he's the leading scientific expert on gratitude. Didn't know that existed before this week, but apparently there is a leading scientific expert on gratitude. And I was just reading some of his research, and it's just amazing what gratitude does to us scientifically. And I believe that when we have postures of both humility, like we talked about last week, and gratitude, it will produce prop, proper perspective. It will just produce this, this heavenly perspective that is beyond us and the circumstances and the situations we find ourselves in. This is what Robert Emmons says. He said it better than I could, so I wanna quote him. He says, in gratitude and humility, we turn to realities outside of ourselves. We become aware of our limitations and our need to rely on others. In gratitude and humility, we acknowledge the myth of self-sufficiency. We look upward and outward to the sources that sustain us. Becoming aware of realities greater than ourselves shields us from the illusion of being self-made, being here on this planet by right, expecting everything and owing nothing. Now the humble person says that life is a gift to be grateful for, not a right to be claimed. Humility ushers in a grateful response to life. So gratitude, it produces this perspective. And what can it allow us to do is reframe the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Now, reframing the circumstances you find yourself in, it's not about ignoring the downsides of a situation or being naive, looking for a silver lining that does not exist. It doesn't require a denial of reality. It's instead an acknowledgement that reality is in fact somewhat subjective. Things really do objectively happen. But the meaning of those things is open to interpretation. And this perspective, it changes the way you experience them. It changes your reality. Here's what I mean. Okay, Ben talked about this last week. You, you, can, you can be devastated in a moment or you can, you can look to what God might be doing. It's not easy. It takes time. But it's possible. So I'll just I'll give you a funny example to start with. You, you can be bitter that, that your girlfriend or boyfriend cheated on you or grateful you don't have to waste your time anymore believing that he or she is someone they're not. You can be, you can be frustrated that your flight was canceled or you can look at it as an opportunity to spend one more day with old friends or wherever you find yourself. You can, you can be annoyed that you have to attend another boring meeting or you can look at that boring meeting as an opportunity to let your mind wander and think about the opportunities that God has for you. 
Either, either side of these coins are just as real as the other. Which side you choose to focus on is up to you. You, you can concentrate on what's gone wrong, and, and I do that way, way too often, or you can still put your attention on what's right. This uh, past week, weekend, we were traveling to Dollywood to meet up with our family. I know Dollywood, it was awesome, y'all. I had so much fried food. Uh, but we're, we're going there, and I'm like, Keila, what time does it open on Friday? Because we were planning on spending uh, two days there. What time does it open? She's like, I don't know, I need to look. 2 p.m. in the afternoon, and we're like, had our day all planned out, and I, I was like getting so frustrated inside. I'm like, why didn't you look at that time earlier? We wouldn't have leave when we did. We had to pay for one extra night at a hotel room, and then I was like, I'm preaching on gratitude this week. I need to reframe my mind to what's actually happening, but it was a real moment. The Holy Spirit was like, think about this. You, you, you get this beautiful drive between here and Knoxville. I got to just like take in the least changing season. I got just sweet alone time with Keila and my son. Like, all staying in the hotel room can be chaos, but it's also this beautiful thing. So we got one more night together, all in the same room. And at this moment, I was like, okay, I can view this as a problem, or I can view this as an opportunity. And then, when you go through the really, really hard stuff, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make light of those just those really hard things that come your way. Real hardship, it, it, it's... It's unlikely that you just feel like grateful in the midst of that suffering, right? But, but there's, this, there's this way to still find the small mercies. There's these ways of finding just the small breaks of light into the circumstance, even in the darkest hour. It's what David says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I read something this week. It said, hey, if you're gonna be going through hell anyway, why not do it with gratitude? Why make the trial even harder than it has to be? And then maybe later, from, from a distant vantage point uh, allowed to you by time, you may in fact grow to become grateful for that suffering. That in a way that it refines you, in a way that it changed your course of life, in, in a way that it brought you closer to God or your community or your friends. And gratitude, what it does is it, it helps just give birth to this heavenly perspective that we aren't able to have on our own. Fanny Crosby, she's one of the most uh, infamous hymn writers of all time. She wrote over 9,000 hymns. Blessed assurance, to God be the glory, many of which are still sung today. And really remarkable story, her life. Uh, she was misdiagnosed and mistreated for an illness at the age of six weeks. And when she was treated for this as a baby, the treatment actually left her blind for the rest of her life. Uh, it was actually a doctor who claimed to be a doctor that really wasn't a doctor. This really awful thing happened to her. She was blind for the rest of her life, starting at two months. And you look at the life of Fanny Crosby, and over and over and over again, you just see this, this grateful person this just thankful attitude. You read her autobiographies and that's what you just see. She's just like, I give gratitude in all situations. In all situations, I give gratitude. In one of her autobiographies, there's this famous interaction between, I think, a well-meaning person and Fanny. They remarked, they said, oh, it's a pity that God did not give you sight when he showered you 
with so many other gifts. Now, Fanny Crosby, she had experienced this a lot. She had heard this a lot, and she was, she was able to remark pretty quickly. She said, do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind? Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Gratitude gives birth to heavenly perspective. Number one, contentment. Number two, perspective. Number three, praise. Number three, praise. When we begin to understand, when we begin to grasp, okay, this is who God is. This is who I am. This is what he has done for me through Jesus. This is how much he loves me. When we begin to grasp that on a just deep heart level, we're not gonna have to set aside times to praise and worship. We're simply just gonna become people who praise and worship wherever we are, whatever we are doing. If we meditate upon the goodness of God, if we just meditate upon his goodness, if, if we remember his promises, we will become people of gratitude and then we will in turn become people of praise. I just, kind of self-assessment right now. When, when you come into spaces where, where we're worshiping, when you come into spaces where we're praising, like what happens with your heart? Does your heart come alive? Does your heart come alive in praise and worship? Does, does your heart sing like that passage says? Or do, does your heart remain cold? Does it remain subdued? And I've been in both of those places. I've been in both of those places. And based upon my experience, kind of looking at my own life and looking to the scriptures, I believe that it is gratitude that is the difference between both of those. I was talking with Dale this week, just kind of bouncing things off of him. And I was like, what is the correlation between gratitude and praise, thanksgiving and praise? And I love what he said. He said a couple of things that really stuck with me. He said, it's hard to praise without first being thankful. It's hard to praise without first being thankful. It is the entrance into praise. Psalm 100 says it. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's not a ritual, it's a reality. It's not a ritual, it's a reality. Gratefulness to God just acknowledges his good and perfect love for us. And what it does is it conditions our hearts to seek him more. You're grateful to God, you wanna seek him more. You're grateful to God, you wanna seek him more. Even in the midst of not necessarily feeling it. Gratitude gives birth to praise. When you thank God, even when you're not feeling it, it will give birth to praise. So number one, contentment. Number two, perspective. Number three, praise. Now, overnight, you're not just gonna become this person that's just full of gratitude. It's just not gonna happen. Well, what we're gonna have to commit to doing is saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to becoming a more grateful person. And I'm, I'm gonna give us some helpful tools that will help us walk in gratitude this week together as the people of God. Like anything in your walk with Jesus, it takes time. It's a journey. But here's the cool thing. It's gonna be a lot of intentional effort at first. It's gonna be a lot of intentional effort at first. It's actually proven that as you begin to live into acts of gratitude, it will begin to become your natural response. So even in the moments where you are not feeling grateful, 
and you're driving to Dollywood, it will begin to become your natural response. It will begin to become your natural response if you practice the spiritual practice of gratitude, if you choose it. And I wanna give you just three tangible ways that you can step into gratitude this week. Three, three ways. Number one is savor the good. Savor the good. To keep things that happen in your day-to-day life from just slipping through your mind, you kind of have to put this net in place to catch them. The, the good things that happen in life. Uh, I'm a victim of this. It'll happen and then it's gone. And there's this act of savoring. There's this act of like really meditating on something good that happened that helps us to enjoy and savor the good like we normally aren't able to do. So when something good happens to you this week, it can be big, it can be small. Like say you enjoy a meal. Like say you, you know, your child gives you a hug. Say you have like a great cup of coffee, a great conversation with a friend. Like savor that moment. Take 10 seconds. Take 10 seconds and savor that. It's like take, kind of taking a mental picture. And what will happen is the more that you practice this discipline of savoring the good, the more good will begin to happen. Number two, keep a gratitude journal. Like, okay, how do you practically do this? Write down the things that you're grateful for. It doesn't even have to be every day. This week, pick two times and just write down the things you're grateful for. Write down the things that that are bringing you life. And I encourage you to do it in detail. Like, don't just write, oh, you know, job, house, food, like write, write down like in detail the things that like you are appreciating in life. And number three, meditate on the goodness of God. One of the most transformative things for me over this past year has been being around people who not only believe the word of God, that are living the word of God, but they speak the word of God. It, I was around this pastor this, this past year, multiple different occasions, and one of the ways in which he would pray is he would just like repeat the promises of God. He would just repeat the promises of God in prayer. And I'd just never been anybody around it. At first it was kind of distracting, and then I began to understand what was happening. So I wanna invite you this week to read and to repeat Psalm 100. Read and repeat Psalm 100. Verse five, this is what Psalm 100 says. It says, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, so sit down, and I want you to just meditate on this psalm this week. Spend, spend 10 minutes each day just meditating upon this psalm. Let's say right now you don't believe that the Lord is good. I'm gonna invite you to still do this. Let, let's say you don't believe that his love endures forever. I'm gonna still invite you to do this. Let's say you, you don't believe that his faithfulness continues through all generations. I'm still gonna invite you to do this. And this, this amazing thing is gonna happen is you're, you're gonna start to believe because the Holy Spirit is gonna work and allow you to believe these promises that he has made. His word is true. So th- this is what I wanna invite you to do. Literally, take the psalm and th- think about it like this. Okay, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Chew on that. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Repeat it out loud, not right now, but in in your quiet time. The Lord is good. Okay, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Just chew on it, meditate on it, repeat it out loud. His love endures forever. Okay, his faithfulness continues from generation to generation. His faithfulness continues from generation to generation. As you repeat these, 
What God is gonna do, he's gonna transform you. He's gonna renew your mind to start believing and living into these things as though they are true, and they are. Here, here in just a moment, we're gonna take communion. And what I wanna invite us to do is just come with hearts of thanksgiving. We're just gonna come to the table with thanksgiving. Each week we do this, we take a piece of bread, which represents Jesus' body. And we take a piece of cup, not a piece of cup, we take the whole cup. <laughs> you could take a piece, but it'll spill. We take the cup, we take the bread, and anytime we go to the table, what this is doing, and this is just, this is reminding us, okay, Jesus, you have paid the price. You have set us free. You, you have unlocked the chains that have been keeping us from life with you. And so when we come to the table this morning, I'm just gonna ask, we just come with thanksgiving. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you will do. And we're just gonna circle up and we're just gonna give God thanks this morning. And I believe that as we give God thanks, as we give God the thanks he deserves, we will, we will begin to come, become people who are content. We will begin to become people that have his perspective and we will begin to become people who just praise and worship our God who is so worthy of our praise and our affection and our devotion. So let me pray for us and then we'll head to the table together this morning. And so God, we are, we're grateful to be your children, to know that you see us, you love us, you know us. And God, I know where I've been. I know what I've done. I know how many times I've turned my back on you, and yet you're there each and every time. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. You are steadfast. Your love knows no end. Your love knows no bounds. There is no place that we can go where you do not see us. There's no place we can go that you do not love us. And so God, I just ask, as we just enter into this time of thanksgiving, will you just tune our hearts to you? Will you just hear our praise, hear our affection as we tune our hearts to you this morning? And Jesus, it's in your name I pray. And together as a whole church, we say, amen.